This is a free download from Delancey Elam Church. We meet every Sunday morning at 10.30am in the Delancey Elam Church building at LeBanks St. Sampson's in the Channel Island of Guernsey. To contact us or find out more information about us, please visit our website at delanceyelam.co.uk. Book of Galatians. Galatians 5 and uh, verse 22. Uh, we're talking about uh, living a life in the Spirit. and I want to talk this morning about cultivating the fruit of the Spirit. Uh, we're going to look at what it means to cultivate and develop the fruit of the Spirit in our lives. We're talking about what it means to be controlled by the Spirit. So when you're controlled by the Spirit, there's always a, a result of that. A, there's a, a product. Something's produced when we are controlled by the Holy Spirit. And here we're told that there is, we like the result of being controlled by the Spirit are, are certain fruits that are produced in our life. And uh, this isn't an add-on. This isn't sort of something for the special. This is for every believer. Everyone that's controlled by the Spirit will produce these fruits, if you like. Let's look at them in Galatians 5, verse 22. Again, it's a well-known passage, something we're very familiar with. Galatians 5:22. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, Against such there is no law. And those who are Christ have crucified the flesh with his passions and desires. Incidentally, if you look a bit before, before that, it talks about the, the result of the flesh. So almost if we're not kind of controlled or, or ruled by the Spirit, then there's no middle ground. If we're not controlled by the Spirit, then we're controlled by the flesh. And the result of being controlled by the flesh, as you see all... The results of that, uh, Paul lists all the works of the flesh. Uh, that's the result of being controlled by the flesh. But when we're controlled by the Spirit, these are the benefits of being controlled by the Spirit. Really, when you look at the fruit of the Spirit, what is it really? The best way I like to define it, really, it's simply the character of Jesus. When you look at the fruit of the Spirit, really, it's the character of Jesus. And I think the fruit of the Spirit is the kind of lifestyle that that God takes most pleasure in. When his people, when his children, when his people are, are producing the, the fruit of the Spirit, it's a kind of lifestyle that God takes more, more delight in. And really, when we talk about the fruit of the Spirit, we're actually talking about this morning of, of, of seeing that God's offering is unchanging self so that we can become unchanging in our way of life. Now, when I mean unchanging, I don't mean that we don't change because, of course, we change. I'm talking about, when I talk about unchanging, I mean being constant. I mean being consistent. Really, are you glad, aren't you glad that God doesn't change when you think about it? I was just thinking the other day. You know, God's always in a good mood. And that's an important point because when you think about it, I remember when my mom, when I wanted something from my mom, some, I don't know, some to to buy me something or do something. I'd always have to kind of, kind of calculate what mood she was in. I only remember that. And probably your kids probably do that to you as well. Is that right? Kind of, you know, what kind of mood? I, you know, I, I've had a good week this week. How have things gone? You know, what kind of mood is she in? Because I'm not liable to ask something major if I know she's not in a good mood. Is that right? And so it's important that we see that God's constant. He never changes. He's the same. He never sort of alternates in his moods and his swings, if you like. He's the same, he's constant. Now, in a sense, God wants that for you and I. He wants us to be constant. He wants us to be consistent in the way that we approach people and the way we preach, approach circumstances. Regardless of whether they're bad, sad, or ugly, that we still remain the same. And so I love the thought that the fruit of the Spirit is where we learn to abide in God's nature. See, the fruit of the Spirit is there to enable us to become Christ-like. I sang a song earlier about heaven touching earth. Is that right? And really, we pray that prayer many times for, for the kingdom to be here on earth as it, as it, as it is. Heaven. Let your kingdom be, on, be in heaven as it is on earth, sort of thing. How does God manifest and 
demonstrate and reveal his kingdom. I think he does it when we begin to manifest and, and live out the life and the character of Jesus here on earth. In our circumstances, in our dealings with people, in our dealings with life, we learn to reveal the, the, the character of Jesus. Really, it's, a, it's about lifestyle. It's about attitudes. It's about thinking, talking, behaving. Really, it's about revealing. The Bible says we are citizens of heaven. Is that right? And as citizens of heaven, there is a certain lifestyle that citizens of heaven live and demonstrate in their everyday life. And the fruit of the Spirit is how we, is the kind of lifestyle and the kind of character that we produce on a day-to-day life. So it's so important that we learn to cultivate and, and develop. Because really, think about it. The Bible says we are ambassadors of Christ. We are representing the King here on earth. And we do it by producing and living out the fruit of the Spirit. Let me just, let's look at what, what, what all these fruits mean and we'll look a little bit at how we can, what it means and how we develop it. Here's the first thing, love. Love is exclusive affection. Love is about cherishing. It's about treasuring. It's tangible. It's favour. It's the goodness of God. I love to think that love is demonstrating loving kindness. It's having regard for someone, having, having a benevolent attitude to someone. It's about to li- taking delight in someone, embracing people, seeing they're valuable, and acting in their best interest. In other words, as we receive God's love, we give it to others. Bible story is so powerful about it. This it says, without love, we're absolutely nothing. Bible says it's the it's the greatest, most excellent way. Paul says, let me show you a more excellent way. And then he talks about love. Make love your aim. Make love your goal. So love is the most excellent of all all things in life to produce love. Second thing is joy. Joy is intensity of gladness. You think about it. You can't really stand before a person and say, I'm really joyful, but not be smiling and not miserable. Is that right? Joy is such a vital thing. Joy is about delight. I think joy is about being bigger than your circumstances. Listen to what James says. He says, count it or a joy when you enter into diverse trials. I remember when I first read that, being very biblically illiterate, I thought it meant divers. I thought it meant people went under the water. You know, diver, diverse situations. But he's talking about various trials. He says, count every trial as joy. In other words, swamp your circumstances with joy. Overwhelm your situations with the happiness of God. Joy is rejoicing. Joy is who God is. Rejoicing is our response to who God is. I think joy is having a sense of wonder. It's being jubilant. It's being cheerful. Celebrating that God is for me. Celebrating what God is like. In fact, Peter describes it, it's so amazing, it's so deep, it's so overwhelming. He says it's unspeakable joy. Ever been so delirious happy, you can't even, you can't even, you can't get the words out. Ever have been there? Have you ever had that sort of amazing experience and you're just so deliriously happy, you can't even actually put, you can't even verbalize it. And that's what Peter's talking about, that you become so deliriously happy so absolutely overwhelmed with such incredible, overwhelming joy, you can't even put, you can't even verbalize it. And if I was to say the most important ingredients, and all these fruits are important, but how we need joy. We need desperately joy. We need to reflect joy. And we're going to look at the moment as we develop this. The joy is your strength. You'll never really have much strength as a believer if there's no real joy flowing in your life. Haven't you found that? That when you feel miserable, when you feel depressed, when you feel discouraged, doesn't it? you feel weak, you feel overwhelmed, you, you don't feel you can stand 
in front of anything. But joy gives an incredible, amazing strength. I'm really glad for the joy of the Lord. Okay, we're going to look at that in a bit. Next thing is peace. Peace is a, is, is a state of being quiet. About being calm and restful. It's freedom from disturbance. It's ease of mind. It's about stillness. About having an inclination towards calm. I define peace as walking in a really awkward, difficult situation and bringing peace. Have you been in there? Have you ever entered the room and you, have you felt the atmosphere? You feel the atmosphere. You know what I mean? This is not a good atmosphere. And you walk into that atmosphere and you feel, you know, the atmosphere is like ice. There's a heaviness there. Now, we can either kind of surrender to that atmosphere or we can think, I want to change that atmosphere. I'm going to bring peace. I'm going to release my peace into that really difficult atmosphere. I'm going to make a difference by releasing my peace. And so peace is about being undisturbed. How many people live their lives and they feel under a constant sense of disturbance? But peace is being undisturbed. It's being untroubled. It's being free from strife. It's being quiet on the inside. I remember many, many years ago as a young Christian, this older guy, he's probably in his 90s now, as he was then, I'm going back a long time ago, and I never forget what he said. It was stuck in me. I was a very young Christian at the time. He said this, I have not worried for 30 years. I'm thinking, I worry every single day of my life. And there's this guy, he said, I've never worried for 30 years. Because he'd understood something of the power of peace. And he wasn't a man who didn't have problems or didn't have challenges. But he'd learned to live in such a state of harmony. He never allowed worry or anxiety to grip his heart. And so he lived in a perpetual state of peace. And I, and I thought, I really want that. I really want to make that a goal. That I learn to, to live in that perpetual state of peace. It doesn't mean you won't have challenges. It doesn't mean you won't have pressures. But you refuse to allow that to disturb and overwhelm your peace. Can you say amen? Okay, so next one, patience. <laughs> Emily love that one. <laughs> Let me define patience. It's a quality of perseverance under pressure with a good heart and mind. Here's a nice one. Endurance without complaining. There's something the other day that kind of shocked me when I heard it. But I thought, wow, how powerful is this? I'm not saying... Someone said this and it stuck in my mind. He says, you know what? Complaining, moaning, and groaning is the praise of hell. Wow. That was powerful. But patience is the fruit of the Spirit. Endurance without complaining. Not easily provoked. Having calm expectations. Being even-tempered. So describe this. It's quiet persistence in God. How do you want the fruit of the Spirit of patience? That's a cool one. That's a great one. What about kindness? Kindness is about being considerate. Being thoughtful towards someone compassionate, generous, loving someone with small acts. In the weeks we want to kind of really practically show ways we can do that, but kindness is an important fruit. There's the next one, faithfulness. Faithfulness is about, is about being consistent, constant, unceasing, loyal, reliable, unwavering, trustworthy. Wow, how we need that today. Just saw those qualities there, just reliable, loyal, unwavering, trustworthy, wow. Gentleness. Someone's defined gentleness as powerful humility. Now remember this, humility, in a sense, is not weakness. It's strength under control. Just because you're humble, it doesn't mean you're kind of like a doormat. It's strength under control. It's being spiritually tender-hearted. It's being like dove-like. Not dominating or being aggressive. Gentleness. There's the next one. Well, the last one of those fruits. Self-control. And I've only gone over these very briefly because we haven't got time to go into great detail of them. But self-control, that means being restrained. 
Here's a good one. Restraining yourself from reacting. Ever read that? That you want to react to something? Somebody really gets you. And right in that moment, you want to react. So the fruit of the Spirit is, is to help you kind of restrain yourself from reacting. Not going to extremes. It's about making the right choices. It's about disciplining yourself. To pray. To spend time with God. To spend time in the Word. Because we do it even when we don't feel like doing it. We, we discipline ourselves to do it even when we don't feel like doing it. It's disciplining our thoughts. You know, one of the great things we don't realize is that, that we have to take control of our thoughts. We've got to discipline our thoughts. We've got to reject thoughts that are contrary to God's word. And that takes discipline. So we've got to discipline our thoughts. We've got to discipline our eyes. We've got to discipline our mouths. Discipline our desires. And I'm not just talking about self-will. I'm talking about the fruit of the Spirit that produces this self-control in us. Okay, let me take a few things. That, what, what, what these fruits mean. And I like this particular one. Here's the first one. I think fruits of the Spirit are great for spiritual warfare. Spiritual warfare. Because if all these fruits, think about it, cause us to be more Christ-like, then they also work against the enemy. How do you defeat the, the, the works of darkness? How do you defeat the times when the enemy comes at you? In all kinds of ways, in all kinds of spheres. I think the greatest way to defeat the, the powers of darkness and the works of the enemy is actually to turn it around and move in an opposite spirit. If you act on a negative Believe it or not, if you act on a negative thought, you are empowering the enemy against you. And the way to overcome that is to kind of do the opposite. For example, how do I defeat when someone is bitter or unjust towards me? How do I defeat that? So tell you how you defeat it. By doing the opposite. By acting in what? Love. How do I defeat anger? By being patient. How do I defeat worry and anxiety? By having peace. How do I defeat heaviness and grumpiness? By being joyful. How do I ultimately defeat difficult circumstances and challenges that rise against me? By having joy. Have you found, let's be honest with ourselves, Whenever we re- react with the same spirit, how many, found that we, it, it, how many found it makes no difference? Is that right? But if someone's bitter towards you and you get bitter towards them, how many, how many found that hasn't changed anything? If someone criticizes you and you criticize them back, does that change anything? But maybe if we operated in a different spirit, we can actually change and transform that situation around. And I've seen that many testimonies. I'm... I think of David Wilkinson. How many have heard of David Wilkinson? I love what he tells a story when he was there witnessing to, to Nicky Cruz. And Nicky Cruz is angry, he's bitter, he's mad. And Nicky Cruz says, if you come to my house again, I'm going to cut you into a thousand pieces. And if you've ever had someone really get angry with you, if you've ever done door-to-door work, and that's a, you, I've had that, and, it's like a reaction there when someone really comes at you with real anger. And I love what he said. He says, if you cut me into a thousand pieces, every one of those pieces will say, I love you. And because of his love, because of his reaction to Nicky Cruz, weeks, months later, he comes to Christ. And we know the amazing impact that kind of story, that testimony has. Think of Corriton Boom. Stuck right there in a concentration camp. Probably one of the most darkest places on the face of the earth you could ever go. And there she is in that concentration camp. Seeing the most horrendous things any person could ever see. And in the midst of that concentration camp, her and her sister begin to exhibit joy, love, forgiveness. Affects the whole camp. And you probably know the story that years later, by some, they say clinical error, she got released. And there's a great story there. 
But you read that story, and, the, and she began to, in that midst of that darkness and that horrendous situation, began to just reflect the fruit of the Spirit. Amazing things begin to happen and take place. And there's something about cultivating and releasing the fruit of the Spirit in things in life that change things, that transform things. It says there in Galatians, against such there is no law. And I believe with all my heart, there's nothing that can overcome the fruit of the Spirit. When you practice and live and manifest the fruit of the Spirit, nothing can come against you. That's how powerful, that's how awesome, that's that's how overwhelming the fruit of the Spirit is. So there's the first thing right there. The fruit of the Spirit is so important to effectively engage in spiritual warfare. How many realize we're in a battle? Not one person is outside. We're in a battle, every one of us. We're in a spiritual battle, spiritual warfare. The enemy comes in subtle ways. And the only way we're ever going to be in the place of victory is to be living and producing the fruit of the Holy Spirit. Can you say amen? Here's the next thing. I think the fruit of the Spirit is a, is a way to overcome negative emotions. God will not be content until you're overwhelmed with him in your thinking, in your speaking. The very fabric of your personality is riddled with him. You are completely possessed with his love and his joy and his peace and his patience and his faithfulness. Because ultimately speaking, the fruit of the Spirit really is designed so that you may encounter and experience God on an emotional level. Let me show you what I mean by that. When you feel anger, do you feel anger? Is that right? You feel it, is that right? When you feel hurt and angry, you feel those things. Anxiety. Let me say, you, no one can say, I don't really feel, I don't feel anxious. You feel it. It's something you feel, something you experience. How much more so should be the fruit of the Spirit? See, when you you feel compassion, you're feeling something of God. When you feel joy, you're feeling something of God. Why? Because God is joyful, is that right? So once defined that God is the happiest person in you. God is, is a God of joy. In his presence is what? fullness of joy. And so every time I encounter or or experience or feel joy, I'm feeling something of God. And love is an emotion that you're meant to feel. You're meant to feel peaceful. And I think part of the reason why we cultivate the, the fruit of the Spirit is so that we are brought into emotional wholeness. You think about it. If a person is full of anger and bitterness, how many would say that's not emotionally whole? Is that right? But if someone's full of love, that's wholeness. If someone's full of joy, that's emotional wholeness. If you see someone full of joy, you don't think they're, they're, you don't kind of consider them as emotionally dysfunctional. All these things produce total and complete emotional wholeness. Sometimes, this is the only thing that's going to produce spiritual wholeness in us, is by releasing the fruit of the Spirit. We feel his peace. You think about it. Worry and peace can't exist together in the same space. You can't both be worried and peaceful at the same time. Is that right? You're either worried or you're peaceful. They don't exist in the same space. So the more peace I feel, then that doesn't give room for anxiety and worry to be there. Can you see that? If I'm full of patience, then I'm not going to be constantly niggling and, and, and constantly frustrated all the time because of the patience. I can't be both patient and frustrated at the same time. I can't be both full of love and full of bitterness at the same time. And so the fruit of the Spirit brings this incredible sense of emotional wholeness. It teaches you to think like Jesus thinks. 
Let me give you another example. The Bible says this, faith works by what? By love. The more I encounter and experience and become so confident and so overwhelmed by his love for me, the result will be faith. Because if I encounter and know at the core and the depth of my being, I'm loved by him, I'll believe him, I'll trust him. I say, look, come what may, whatever happens in my life, I trust you. No matter what's falling apart, I trust you because I know that you love me. And because you love me, I trust you. If you never really are assured and really encounter at the core of your being is love, then you'll never have real faith. Because faith works by love. And the more aware, the more confident, the more assured I am of his love, the greater the faith will be. I say, Lord, I trust you in every situation because I know I'm the beloved of God. Paul says that we are the beloved. We are loved of him. And because we're beloved of God, then we trust him for every situation. As I said earlier, the joy of the Lord is your strength. Happiness makes you powerful. I found this. I know when joy is right at the core of my heart and joy is there, right at the center of my being and I'm, and I'm experiencing and encountering and the joy of the Lord's there, almost you can face anything that comes. Honestly, I mean, you can literally face anything that comes your way when you've got the joy of the Lord because it's a strength. The joy of the Lord is given to empower you because God knows the circumstances and challenges are going to rise up. And the only way you're going to know strength through those situations is through joy. How many have ever read it? It's a book called by Brother... His name's Brother Yun. And Brother Yun was placed in a Chinese camp for being a Christian. He was arrested and put in prison for, in their concentration camps for many years. Brother Yun. And he was, you read his story, it's just horrendous the way he was treated. and They would urinate on him and mock him and all, do all kinds of stuff there. One of the stories he tells, he was given the worst job of all, which was to clean the cesspool. That's what he had to clean the cesspool. That's what he had to do. And you know what? He began to rejoice when he cleaned the cesspool. The reason being, nobody would be around. Nobody would come near him. And because of that, he said, I could praise the Lord with all my heart. I could praise the Lord with all my voice. He said, the joy of the Lord was so strong and so powerful in the midst of that situation. And he could, if you look at that humanly, you think no man could go through that humanly. But the joy of the Lord was his strength. Counted all a joy when you go through various trials. I'm strong because I'm happy. I love that song. I mean, I love that song, Happy. I, love, I just love that song. Sometimes when, it's, we have, sometimes when we play in the house, we have like a wild dance thing. I just love that song because there's something about joy that brings incredible strength. How many are glad for the joy of the Lord? It's your strength. Here's this next thing about fruit. It's the way you practice. You have to practice it. All circumstances and all challenges we face, we are meant to use those things to cultivate and develop and practice the fruit of the Spirit. Let me give you an example. Matthew 5, verse 44. Jesus has a lot of teaching about how we respond to the to the things of life. Look at Matthew 5, verse 44. But I say to you, love your enemies. Bless those who curse you. Do good to those who hate you. 
Pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you, that you may be sons of the Most High, of your Father in heaven. For he makes the sun to rise on evil and good and sends rain on the just and the unjust. He's saying, you know what a purpose of an enemy is? It's to make you love better. He teaches us the power of blessing. He teaches us how strong love is. You think about that. How do you learn to love? Do you think you learn to love by loving those who are good to you? Really? Really? Do you really think you you grow in love by loving everyone who thinks you're amazing and wonderful? So I tell you how you develop and grow in love. is to love those that don't like you. It's to love those who who make life tough and who've, who've treated you in a bad way. That's actually how you develop love. That's how you grow in love. By responding back with love. And here Jesus says the purpose of enemy is to learn actually to teach you how to truly love. Because this is the power of love. You love enemies. You love those who maybe have treated you unjustly. But you, you, you respond not the same way. The way to develop love is to practice it. And some are the ones who are the most difficult to love. You think of the irritations in your life. Those people who are, or are a thorn in your side. Those people that have made life difficult for you. They're the people that, that are there to help you to develop love. Isn't that awesome? That's the way you grow in love. That's the way you develop love. That's how it grows. And you look at Romans 12, verse 20. He says you've got to keep doing it. You've got to, you've got to practice love. Romans 12, verse 20. If your enemy... It doesn't say if your friend is hungry. How many noticed that? It doesn't say the, the person who thinks you're amazing is hungry. It says if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him a drink. For in so doing, you will heap coals of fire on his head. In other words, you demonstrate love. I've seen that happen many times. That when the person who seems to be most against you, look for ways to bless them. Look for ways to respond back in love. And you'll see love grow and deepen in you. Jesus said, in this world, you'll have much tribulation. You think about it. As we say, in this world, you're going to have problems. You're going to have challenges. You're going to have difficulties. What did he say? Did he say, well, okay, because of that, guys, I think, you know, be miserable, be, be, be complaining. He says, even though you may have much tribulation, be of good cheer. As we said, be of good cheer. When tribulation comes around, walk with a big smile on your face. In other words, the challenges And the difficulties are ways you begin to practice and develop joy. If our joy is just based on things that are going well for us, joy will never deepen in us. It's when the challenges and the difficulties come, and in the midst of that, I'm I'm convinced, I'm going to maintain my joy, joy will grow in you. It will deepen in you. The more you respond with joy to various trials and challenges, the greater joy will work in you. And how many have found you have lots of chance to practice? Isn't that right? Lots of chance to practice. Peace. Jesus says, my peace I leave with you. Have you thought about this? Jesus never told you to ask for peace. He says you've already got peace. My peace, I live with you. In fact, if you look into the Greek, the word is so powerful, the word leave, it's the same word you use when, you leave, when someone's left something in a will. That's how strong it is. That's how Jesus says. So I'm leaving you something in my will. I'm leaving you my peace. In this world, you'd have trouble, but I'm leaving you my peace. 
And I'm leaving you peace so you won't be troubled, you won't be fearful, fearful, so I'm going to allocate my peace to you. Use it, believe it, and it will grow in you. I think it's happened at least on six occasions since we've been here. People have asked us to go into houses to pray where they felt some sort of demonic spirits in their houses. We've had that on at least five or six occasions. People aren't even Christians. I've often said, would you come and pray in our house? We feel something, a presence here that's not right. Would you come and pray in our house? And some people have had all kinds of really experiences you can't really explain. And I remember going into one house. In fact, we went with Phil, who was a pastor of Shiloh. And I remember going to his, we went into this house together. And that house, even though the fires was on, it was warm, there was a, almost a, a shiver that was in that atmosphere, a dark, dark, you could just feel it, you could feel the, the atmosphere, how dark it was, just a heavy atmosphere there, really, something in that atmosphere. So we went to, through all the rooms, and all we, do, all we did actually was release peace into all the rooms. We began to bless every room, and we began to release peace in every room. And that's what we began to do. In every room, we began to speak peace, peace, peace. In every room, we began to speak. And we began to plead the blood and declare the power of the victory of Jesus. And then we went, prayed pray with the couple, then we went. Three weeks later, we had a letter from this, from this lady who says, you know what, since you've, since you've come, for the first time we've had peace in our house. We can actually enjoy meals. We can actually enjoy sitting in that house for the first time we can have peace. Because I think we can release peace. The peace of the Lord that passes all understanding. Look at 1 Peter, 1 Peter 20. You know, people empower you for patience. You know what? It's one of the most unbiblical prayers we can pray, actually. Lord, give me patience. Give me patience, Lord. That's a dangerous prayer to pray, actually. Because this is the way patience is developed. 1 Peter 2.20 For what credit is it when you are beaten for your fault, you, you, you take it patiently. But when you do good and suffer, if you take it patiently, then this is commendable before God. God is saying, if there's something unjust going in your life, don't take retribution in the natural. If you will take on patience and patiently endure it, then God says God will work out it in your circumstances. He will sort it out more than you can imagine. Sometimes we're so concerned that people are going to take advantage of us. And we want to complain and, and share the wrong that's been done to us. But the Bible says, begin to have patience. Sometimes we, we like to exercise our negative rights. Everyone someone say this, you make me so angry. Everyone said that here. You just make me so angry. And the reality is no one can make you angry. You're angry because you choose to be angry. Why not choose patience? Why not choose joy? Why not choose long-suffering instead? Galatians 6 verse 10 says, Let us be good to all. In other words, don't ration yourself in goodness. The Bible says, The goodness of the Lord leads to repentance. In other words, you think about it. The potential of what happens when I display goodness. If goodness leads to repentance and I begin to display goodness, imagine what influence and impact that can have on someone's life. And you think a good way right now. I wonder, I'll just think this of the day. How much love, how much joy, how much peace, how much patience will it take to turn around someone's life. Who knows what happens when I begin to, to manufacture the fruit of the Spirit? Who knows how that can turn somebody else's life around? Let me come with this. Another thing. God has given us the fruit of the Spirit. 
that we might not come under negative mindsets and reaction. Every time I grow in the fruit of the Spirit, I'm growing in the nature of God. We're giving people what they need. I think the fruit of the Spirit is is a gift that you can give someone. It changes atmospheres, makes a difference to those around. I believe with all my heart, love is greater than an antagonistic spirit. I believe love's greater. Love eventually will overrule. When Angie first got saved, when she first became a Christian, her family were absolutely antagonistic to her faith, to the point they ripped up her Bible. They were antagonistic against it, big time. But I've found that love ultimately will always outrun and overcome an antagonistic spirit. You'll always, you'll always overcome it with love. To the point now, I've taken funerals for the family. We've prayed for them many times. Her brother, often when he, if he comes to church, he, he cries all the time. He just cries. And he always gives. He gives an amazing offering. I can always tell. He gives this amazing offering when he comes. It's as if over the years, God, through, as Angie's been patient, praying, and demonstrating love to them, the antagonism slowly but surely has begun to melt. Because love will always win in the end. Love, the Bible says what? Never fails. And so I would encourage you, give yourself to the fruit of the Spirit. It's bigger than anything in life. best way I define it is take a spin with it. When we were in Macclesfield, we used to have a, a, a guy actually who he used to own a Volvo garage. And every so often he'd come and says, here are John, here's some keys. Take a brand new Volvo for a spin. How deluded was that man was. But here's the point. He says, here are, here's a brand new Volvo, take it for a spin. And we used to live somewhere called, what's called the Buxton Road, which is right in the Peak District. There's a straight road right into Buxton. Absolutely, is that right? Say, absolutely flat road. It's really flat road, straight road. And nothing was greater. A brand new Volvo. Made sure to put my sunglasses on. Sometimes one week I put the thing back. On a sunny day, that is. And just driving it. Letting it go. Just letting it rip. Awesome. Fantastic. He said, take it for a spin. I was thinking, that's what we need to do with the fruit of the Spirit. Take it for a spin. See what happens when you begin to develop the fruit in your spirit in your life. When you begin to react in the fruit of the spirit, take it for a spin and see the effect and the power it can have in your life. And remember this, whatever you sow, you reap. So if I sow love, guess what I get back? If I sow peace, it always comes back to me. If I sow joy, it comes back to me. I think we can so sow it time after time after time to the point it becomes natural to you. You don't even have to think about it. It's just a natural thing that you do, a natural way you respond because you've so developed it in your life. And that's the choice we have. But on the other way, if we constantly have negative responses, then that can become habitual in our life. If I just constantly complain about everything, it's not too long until that becomes habitual. It becomes part of me all the time. I don't think I'm doing it. I just complain without me even knowing I'm doing it. I remember years and years ago, and it's known here, you'd be glad to know, that I knew someone that was in the church that worked at this place, in this place. And I remember saying to this guy, oh, so-and-so works at your, at your work, so, oh yeah, oh, that's the guy who complains all the time, isn't it? Yeah, he's always moaning. Yeah, I know, him is the one who's always complaining. It's amazing how you can develop characteristics, identity, just by allowing something to become perpetual. Something that identifies you who you are. Now, if that is true of the negative, Emily would say it'd be awesome if we can develop on the positive side. Oh, that's the person who's always happy all the time. That's the person who's always peaceful. No matter what's going on, they seem to have such a peace there. That's amazing. That's the person who's always doing kind things. Yeah, I remember they, they always do kind things. Oh, yeah, that's amazing. They're always kind, always doing kind acts for people. They're, they're always doing good things. That's a great... I, I remember, yeah. Wouldn't it be great 
If that defines who we are. And ultimately speaking, that is what impacts and affects people. You know what I found something? People are watching you all the time. Do you ever realize that? They really do. They're watching you without you even knowing it. And when we begin to manufacture the fruit of the Spirit, the more you practice the fruit of the Spirit, the better you become, the easier and easier it becomes as you begin to practice and develop it. Let me close with this. The fruit of the Spirit empowers the presence of God in you and your circumstances. Let me just say this. Let's stop taking our cues and our way of living and responding from the world. Just because the world responds a certain way, it doesn't mean that we are called to respond the same way. Because the kingdom lifestyle is opposite to the lifestyle of the world. Can you say amen? You think about it. You see, you've got something they haven't got. You're operating in something they haven't got. They can't operate in what you can operate in. And so we need to use what God has made available to us. And think about this. The fruit of the Spirit is already in you. And you can allocate it to whoever you want. Think of the most irritating person. Why is everybody looking at me? But you know, <laughs> think of the most irritating person that you can think of. And think, what fruit of the Spirit can I allocate into that person's life to change them? That boss at work. What can I allocate? That person who, that family member, those people in my family, what fruit of the Spirit can I allocate to them? Those people I work with, what can fruit of the Spirit can I allocate to them? I think true victory is becoming like Jesus in the process of life. What would Jesus do? What would he be like? That's what we're meant to be like in our everyday processes of life situations. And that's the challenge. For I believe God has already given you the fruit of the Spirit. We don't need to ask for it. We just need to cultivate it and develop it and use it and practice it and release it. And you watch all kinds of things in life change. Let's just come before him right now. Let's just come before the Lord and say, Lord, we just want to be like you. Oh, let the fruit of the Holy Spirit. And I guarantee right now, even as I'm talking, there's people right now that come to mind. People that may be in the natural that you struggle with, people that are people that are challenges right there. It could be circumstances that right there are rising up before you and the circumstances are are challenging and hard and and the issue is is how we're going to respond to those things there's an opportunity right there to release joy to allow your peace to flow out of you to minister to someone else really the fruit of the spirit isn't just for us It's for other people. Ezekiel speaks of the fruit, as we looked at last week. The fruit is there to be eaten by the nations. And that's what we're saying. Come and eat of the fruit of my tree. Come and eat of my peace and of my joy and of my patience and of my faithfulness. Come and eat of it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Because the Christian life is absolutely, totally different to nothing else on this planet. And that's the way it's meant to be. Radically, totally different to the way the world operates, to the way the world thinks, to the way the world lives. It's not a matter of following law, it's just letting the fruit just flow out of you. You know, the fact is, if you live by the fruit, 
then the flesh will have no hold or no grip of your life simply by living in the power of the fruit. Things begin to kind of fall off you simply by practicing the fruit of the Spirit. Father, we come before you today and we want to thank you for who you are today. Lord, as we look at the fruit of the Spirit, we see that's you, that's your character. Your love, God is love. Your joy, your patience. Thank you for your patience with us, Lord. Thank you for your goodness towards us. Lord, we we thank you for your faithfulness. Even when we're unfaithful, you're faithful. And we look upon you and we see all these elements in you. We say, Lord, we want to be like you. We want to be full of love. We want to be full of joy. We want to be be full of peace. We want to be patient. and, And we want to be good and kind. And so, Father, we pray, Lord, Cause us in these days to cultivate and deepen the fruit of the Spirit in us so that we may reveal Jesus into all the the situations of life, the people that we meet, the circumstances that we find ourselves in. That we may reveal Jesus. We may show people there's another way, there's an alternative. Come and live in us, Lord. Come and reflect your beauty through us. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this free download from Delancey Elam Church. For more downloads, information or to contact us, please visit our website at delanceelam.co.uk.